We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, it's mailbag time, man. It's uh, and we've got some things here that we'll we'll dive into. Not a ton of questions yet. So unless y'all kind of get some more questions in there, we, we might actually get out of here at a decent hour today, Ryan. Can you believe that? Uh, I'll so be, let's I'll be able uh, to get some work done today. No I know, way. right? No Imagine way. that. Imagine <laughs> that. All right, here we go. Let's get rocking and rolling. Some of these are comments, but uh, you know, some yeah. of them are questions. But we'll just roll through all of them. This first one's from Matt McCarthy, who says 2015 definitely could have won a title if they didn't have an unprecedented number of injuries to key players and had a better defense coordinator. Two plays away from being 12 and 0, Stanford and Clemson both finished top five that year. I mean, I, I don't think the injuries are why Notre Dame didn't finish that year. I mean, I, I name me a game where the injuries cost them that game. They didn't lose to Clemson because of an injury. You could say, I've said this, if Malik is not hurt, they beat Clemson. But I also feel if, if Brian Van Gorder was a better coach, they beat Clemson. But even if they lose to Clemson by a point late in the game, if they beat Stanford and handle their business against Wake Forest and Boston College, they're still a playoff team with a chance to go do something in the postseason. So I don't think the injuries were the issue for that football team. I think the issues, issues for that football team were the defensive coordinator. But to your point, Matt, we agree with the premise. I would just sit somewhat nitpick up. I even think the depth of that team was good. I mean, so you lose Jerome Jones, and what happens? Jerry Tillery steps into the starting lineup and plays well. You yeah. lose C.J. Prosai. I mean, you lose um, Torian Folston and C.J. Prosice and Josh Adams step in. Then C.J. goes down, and Josh Adams goes out and sets a Notre Dame freshman rushing record that year you know what I mean Sean Crawford gets hurt and they overcame it right they they battled through they overcame it so they they were able to overcome the only time I felt injuries really cost that team from being competitive was the Fiesta Bowl honestly it was really the only one because they just they because Sheldon they got hurt like the day before the game you remember he like hurt his foot in practice or yeah. something like that the day before the game I mean it got a little bit bad then but I mean it was the defensive coordinator was the problem of that season and yeah, I mean, that's, but that's kind of, Matt, too, why I push back on the notion like, oh, Notre Dame can't recruit well enough to compete for a championship. I mean, well, I think they've had a couple teams that were good enough to compete. And if and one, if they just were better at uh, – one team was just 
athletically, talent-wise, good enough to compete for championship. That 2015 team, Notre Dame team, was a coaching change away and a strength coach away from being a title team, in my opinion. They don't tell me they couldn't have beat freaking Jacob Coker. Don't 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 come at me with that. No, uh, Alabama, I'm sorry. great man. Got a national championship <laughs> under his belt. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, former Florida State team, great Jake Coker, man. I mean, that Notre Dame team was the the most athletic team that they faced all year. And the and the only team that I felt had better talent than them that year was the team that beat them in the festival. That's it. Ohio as State, far as yeah. top to bottom, that the Ohio State team was loaded. Yeah, they were. That yeah. was the only team that year to me, top to bottom, had more talent than Notre Dame. To his point, you look at that 2015 team, there's a lot of NFL players on those two teams, on those two yeah. sides of the ball, and, and high-level NFL players. I mean, think about it. They had three first-round draft picks on that offensive line. You had a first-round draft pick, a wide receiver. You had a second-round draft pick, a quarterback. You had a third-round draft pick at running back. You had a second-round draft pick at center. And your right guard would have probably been a fifth or sixth round pick if he doesn't retire from football after his junior year. And you had a seventh round draft pick at tight end. You literally had an NFL caliber player at almost every position. And then the two receivers that weren't, they were still pretty good players for college football players, Amir Carlisle and and Chris Brown. So, yeah, that team was loaded. I mean, all, all four of the defensive linemen on that team were are NFL players. Spent time in the NFL. Jerry Tiller was a first round pick. Sheldon Day was a fourth round pick. I believe, correct? Romeo Aguara did not get drafted, but he's the best NFL player of all of them, and it's yeah. not even close. And Isaac Rochelle got drafted. So, I mean, and your linebacker was the best linebacker in college football. I mean, think about it. That year, Notre Dame never took the field, never took the field, where they didn't have the most explosive def- defensive player on the field and the most explosive offensive player on the field. Never. Yeah. And yeah. wouldn't have against Bama either. I mean, that's just the reality of it. That team could have been special, but it, and that's why coaching is people. Why do you harp so much on coaching? It's exactly why we're right there. Yeah. Right there. Cause coaching costs Notre Dame a championship. I would argue it also cost Notre Dame a championship in 1993. Cause I was never a big Rick, Rick mentor fan as a defensive coordinator either, but that's a different story for a different day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next question is from David Lowe says, where would you rank us preseason, Brian? See, a lot of people have us around 11. Is that too high or too low? 
I'm fine with it. I mean, there's a range, Ryan, for me of seven to 13 where I'm comfortable with Notre Dame being. Now, I think, I said yesterday, I think they have a top five roster in college football. I, I believe that. But top five roster doesn't equal top five record. Sure. This is a team coming off of an eight and four regular season. Yes, Sam Hartman should be a big upgrade on that, but I still have questions about this team. They still have things to prove. This team has still got to show me that they deserve. Like if if you were to say, okay, Driscoll, you think they they have a top five roster? I do. Uh, so what would you think about me ranking them fourth? Nope, too high. They haven't yeah. earned that yet, right? Because having a roster is one thing, but then going out there and turning that roster into production, here's a team that's every year has as good a roster as just about anybody. It's Penn State, yep. and they never win anything meaningful. Why? Because they're not coached. They don't. Have, they're just their roster never maximizes their potential. Go look at the NFL draft the last five years. There's only like two or three teams that have produced more NFL players than Penn State the last. Year. It's like Bama, Georgia, and I think Ohio State. That's it. And it's not slow. It's not slowing down anytime. It's not soon slowing either. down. No, it's not. But they don't compete for championships because of other factors, right? Yep. So you got to prove it to me. So, I mean, I've seen like uh, Sporting News is one that came out today that I'm 10th. All right, I'm fine with that. And USC 6th and Ohio State 4th. And, you know, there's some teams that I would say, boy, that team shouldn't be that high. But I'd say that if you had Notre Dame 5th or 6th. I mean, I just, I just would. They have a lot to prove. Now, the only time I have beef with people as far as where they have, like real beef, like you can't have that team head in Notre Dame, is when people have Clemson head in Notre Dame. But most people don't. Like this, the U.S. Sporting News one had Clemson 13th, Notre Dame 10th. That's fair. I mean, oh, Notre Dame should be should be able should be ranked higher than USC based on what USC beat them last year. Yeah, uh, you know by 11, and it you know Notre Dame could have done this, coulda 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 coulda, but they didn't, and they lost by 11, and and really never were in position to ever take a lead. Right, they were just in, in position a couple times to make it a single digit game, and then yes. maybe go with some things. But they were never in position to, like take a lead out USC outplayed them. Yeah, so and they have a lot coming back. So I have no problem with Notre Dame at eleven. I have no problem if you want to put Notre Dame seven or eight. Right, I just don't think I can justify higher than that preseason, based on what you've been and projecting forward. They've got to prove to me. But here's the great thing about it, David: you can rank them thirteenth. You can rank them eighteenth. But if they win all their games, they're going to be top four. Yeah. I, you know, so it, it's in their destiny. It's in their control. I mean, you rank them 13th, it doesn't matter. They're, the college football playoff committee is not going to do a single ranking until after they've played Ohio State and USC. So it won't matter. If you're if they're 19th preseason, it won't matter. If they beat those two teams and they're undefeated, they're in the top four. Simple as that. You know, so – They'll have a shot, but I'm, I'm, I mean, Ryan, what do you think? I mean, to me, if somebody has them around 11, I'm, I'm, I've seen some teams have them at 13. My only quibble is I would not have that team ahead of Notre Dame, but then I could also argue there's a couple teams behind Notre Dame that you could argue should be ahead of Notre Dame as well. For being fair and objective, sure. Notre Dame's got to prove something to me. And right now they're a team that went nine and four and they yeah. still got to prove it. That's fair. I mean, I, I would probably say a couple spots or higher, just a little bit. I mean, but I mean, to your point, Brian, you are what your record says you are from last year. But we also have to I mean, there are we're in a transfer portal era, right? Where like things change so drastically from one offseason to the next. So like Sam Hartman does change the formula for me a little bit. I mean, I can't lie and say that the, the eye test doesn't change a little bit in that regard. You know what I mean? So like a couple spots higher. I'm not asking them to be a top five team in college football to start the year. Cause sure. like they don't deserve that. Like there's no sure. doubt about that. 
my only counter to that would be that I think Sam Hartman coming has impacted things because where they finished last year, 18th. So having them 11th is seven spot higher, seven spots higher than they were last year. So I think that is taking into account the different the different rosters. But to your point, it's a it's a it's a it's more of a nitpick than it is a oh my god I can't believe you have Notre Dame 11th. That's insane. Right, it should right. be third. No, it's it's no. not dis, it's not disrespectful yeah. or no. anything. It's not disrespectful. No. It's yeah. fair questions. You know, yeah. like they've got to prove some stuff. Especially because I think their schedule this year is much harder than it was last year. I, I, to me, I mean, I know this top three teams are the same, yeah, and it's more favorable home and away. But the depth of this year's schedule is, I mean, NC State spent most of last year ranked. Duke won nine, what nine games last year, right? Then they go nine and four. Yes, they did. Last year, yeah. Louisville's got a new head coach who, to me, is is just took Purdue to the Big Ten championship game, right? It's an upgrade over what you Pitt's had. a decent yeah. team. Yeah. Right. You've got Wake Forest in, in there who, you know, they'll probably take a step back. You've still got Stanford should. I mean, they can't be worse than they were last year. But again, you want to know why I'm not going to sit there and <laughs> pound on the table and say that anyone that doesn't have Notre Dame in the top 10 is full of crap. It's because last year, Notre Dame lost to a three and nine Stanford team. Sure. They lost to Marshall. So and and you got to prove to me you can beat those teams before I'm going to argue with people that you deserve to be in the top 10. Yes. You know, I would have them in the top 10 personally. Right, I think your thing is is fair. I think if I was doing my ranking, I'd probably have them seven to nine. So yeah. I'd have to really look at who people have coming back. I would have, I would have Alabama ahead of them. I'd have Georgia ahead of them. I've had Ohio State ahead of them. I've had, I would have USC ahead of them. I would have Washington ahead of them for sure. I'd probably have Oregon ahead of them, probably. But I'd, I'd have to go back and look at. I'm not quite sure what Oregon has coming back on the offensive lines to be completely honest with you, um, you know, so, so there's certainly teams right there, you know, like, okay, again, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, yeah. Penn state to me right now, all belong to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame, Washington and USC. So that's seven teams right there. Did I, did I do that? So that's seven teams right there that I think deserve to be ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Yeah, in some order. I, so I, we're talking about eight or nine potentially. Yeah, like, so that's yeah. eight. Now you start getting into arguments of okay, what about LSU and Florida State? Right, those are the other two teams that are in that conversation for me. Oregon's in that conversation for me, yeah. where where you could have that that type of thing. Now LSU, I would not rank ahead of Notre Dame. I, I don't think LSU. Ah, oh, they beat Alabama. Don't care. Alabama, you know, fine. They also got blown out by Tennessee and got blown out by Texas A and M and you know, all these other things. So, you know, but if you were to have them ahead of Notre Dame, would I say you're nuts? No, I wouldn't say you're nuts. I personally would have Notre Dame a spot or two higher than LSU. And I'd have Florida State ahead of LSU. Because if you want to compare records, Florida State had a better record and they beat LSU. Can I mean, they they were leading the whole game. I know it got interesting late, but they led the entire game. And if Florida State doesn't fumble the ball at the one-yard line, that game's over. Right. I mean, you know, so... Uh, you know, to me, uh, Florida State, you could make an argument for, I wouldn't have Florida State ahead of Notre Dame, but if you were going to say that you think they should be, Ryan, I wouldn't argue with you. Yeah. I'd probably argue with you a little bit more with with LSU than I would Florida State, to be completely honest with you. I only care what Notre Dame's ranking is in December when they're talking about the playoff conversation. But you can say that, but we do have a lot of months before the season starts, so we need some things to talk about. So I'm not going to Man, we're going to blink our eyes. We're going to be there, Uh man. We're going to blink our eyes. That's how how this world works after you turn about 30, man. I hope so. I can't wait for this season to start. No (laughs) doubt. No doubt. 
Question now from Irish Gordian Knots. If Audric Estime struggles, how many chances do they give him? There's too much talent behind him to try and force a narrative, in my opinion. What's the narrative? I, I don't. I, I don't get this question. <laughs> I mean, look, Audric was really good last year. <laughs> what, what narrative are we forcing? So, to me, there's there's one thing to say. Well, a guy had a couple bad games, and so we're going to bench him. That you know. <sighs> I mean, he also ended the year on a great note after a yeah. little bit of a fumbling issue I, in the middle of the year. I, mean, I don't I, quite I just, know what I don't the, know what narrative the narrative is. forcing. I, I mean, yeah. look, if he struggles for the entire month of September, sure, okay. The only I thing that I would... how we're how are we qualifying struggling as well? I think yeah. is another question I would have. I, I just but, can't yeah. get past the force the narrative part. So I don't understand what you mean by that, which is fine. To me, yeah. the only way that I see him getting benched at all is if he does what he did at, what, is what happened to him last year when he got benched, which is he's putting the ball in the ground a bunch. That that's that's what matters to me. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I don't I don't know if there's a, a a narrative that that I'm concerned with. To be honest with you, he's their best back. He yeah. was their I mean, best he, back no matter who came back based on how he finished the year and and how the off season's gone. So, um. It's it's you not know. it's not like he was just padding numbers based upon a lot of carries either. Right. He averaged like five point nine yards a carry. Like that's a yeah. pretty healthy average, he had, man. He like, had nine <laughs> fewer carries than Logan Diggs and had almost a hundred more yards. Yeah. So yeah, but no, I, if if he struggles, how many chances do they give him? They'll keep riding him till he gets right because that's what you do with great backs. I mean, there's all you can you find stretches in Emmitt Smith's career, Barry Sanders' career, Ter- career, Ter- Terrell Davis's career, where they went three, four games where they didn't play, they didn't produce well. Yeah. It's not always on them, but yeah, he, he he's going to be the lead back. Next question from Katie Keevers. She also said something earlier, Brian, that I wanted to find the comment on that I thought was really funny. Oh, I think it was um, lucky lefty listeners is hard to say. So we should, I, I want you to do it five times fast. If you lucky lefty quick. listeners. Lucky lefty. Fast. No, I'm not doing it fast. fast. I don't even ball. know what I'll say, but uh, <laughs> luck, luck, yeah. Luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, come on! I talked like Scooby Doo yesterday, and you can't even give me a lucky lefty listeners for five no, straight. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> sorry, can't do it. Can't do but, it. Question from Katie Keevers: What would USC's record have been last year without Caleb Williams? Oh man, <laughs> boy. Oh, I, I mean, my, my mind goes more to like the five hundred ish, like six and six somewhere in that ballpark. Because I mean. Caleb yeah, was fantastic, had, yeah. but there was an upgrade of talent comparative to the year before that. So, like, there's no doubt. Yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't know if I. I mean, they they had a significant upgrade. They're probably six and six, seven and ish. five, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. It's on the ballpark, yeah. I think yeah. seven and because then then the question, well, who's their quarterback? Maybe That's Keaton stays, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. and I don't know. that that wouldn't be ideal, but. Here's the thing that I have to look at. If Caleb Williams is not their quarterback, they probably don't get Jordan Addison. I mean, so it would have been a domino effect, Katie, of things that would have happened that could have made them no better than they were the year before. But he is their quarterback, and he's pretty good. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Last year's team – this year's team should be a little bit better all around, even yeah. though they're not going to be dyna- as dynamic in a couple spots. But, like, their defense should be better. It's not going to be great by any stretch, but it's going to be better. It can't be worse yeah. than last year's oh, it's defense. It's definitely going to be better. It's definitely going to be better. Uh, but, um, you know, probably six and six, seven and five, depending on who their quarterback would have been. Because, yeah. um, I mean, they probably would have Jackson Dart stay? If Caleb, seriously, yeah. Jackson Dart probably stays if, Jack, if Caleb Williams doesn't come. And 
he's okay. He could have probably let him do a six and six, seven and five record, but they don't, you got to keep in mind if, if there's no Caleb Williams, there's probably no Mario Williams and there's probably no, um, probably Jordan no Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison as well. But yeah, if you assume that he's the only difference, seven and five, I think Ryan, I think that's a fair record. The one that you said, I can live with that. Yeah. Some, Eight and four at best. Mil- Miller Eight. Moss is the quarterback. No, it, it, it probably would have been Jackson Dart or Keaton Slovis. Is or they, or they went, went to the portal for a different guy instead of Caleb. Right. Like, who knows? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, no doubt. All right. Let's uh, let's go. Irish Gordian not with some interesting takes today. And this one is, Notre Dame's quarterbacks seem to get injured more than other schools. Bayless is great, but I'm worried that the quarterbacks might need more special care leading into and during the season. I think, I mean, I look, you always have to look at injuries and, and study them as a football staff. You do. And if you're in a situation where you have a lot of shoulder injuries, a lot of back injuries, a lot of knee, if there's like certain injuries that you're seeing a lot of, you would, first thing you look at, is you sit down with your medical staff and say, what could be the cause of this? Right. And they evaluate the strength conditioning program. They evaluate your practice schedule. They evaluate all the things that could be leading to those. Hey, a lot of foot injuries. Okay, what surface are we practicing on? That can lead to it. What shoes yeah. are we wearing? There's always things that you need to study. You should always be on top. If you're a team that has like five or six Achilles injuries over the course of a couple of years, there's something going on in your – that's too rare of an injury for that to be happening that frequently. So there's all that's always something you need to study. The thing that I would say at quarterback is the reason I don't think it's an issue is because it, it it's number one I don't I don't necessarily agree with the premise that it's more than other teams. Yeah, you know Jack Cohn I don't think ever was hurt to the point where he couldn't play. In my opinion, Tyler Buckner was last year, but that was kind of a fluky thing that if you've ever played quarterback, you know that's your greatest fear. Your greatest fear is getting slammed from behind. That's that's all. There's two fears that a quarterback has. Number one is that I'm tackled from behind and I can't protect my, I can't brace myself for impact. Yeah. And I get thrown on my that's the biggest fear that you have as a quarterback. Or, you, or your head hits the ground or something. See, yeah. that's just yeah. more of a concussion. And you're, you know, like I had that yeah. happen to me in a game. And I mean, I played the rest of the game and threw a touchdown pass after that. You know what I mean? Like, it, you, you, I know that today you can't do that, but it's not yeah. like a thing where you're out for the rest of the year like a your shoulder getting popped. You're correct, right? And that that's a concern, but I'm talking about like for the long-term injury. The other one is you're planting a throw and somebody rolls up under your knee that you don't see coming. Those are the two yeah. biggest fears of the quarterback. Carson, Carson Palmer during his the, second year. Yes. With the, uh, Tom, the one, the only Tom Brady injury he ever had was something like that, where a guy just, yeah. he was planted and the guy dove into his knee. Joe Theismann's career ended on a play like that, you know? Yeah. So those are the ones you fear where you can't protect yourself or your leg is planted. Outside of that, the rest of that stuff is just, it's just luck. It's bad luck. Yeah. Malik inj- Malik Zaire's injury was bad luck. Thank you. Uh, it just was bad timing. You know, it was just got rolled up on. That's not anything related to the strength and conditioning program. It's not anything related to the equipment. Nothing related to the medical stuff. Deshaun Kaiser never got hurt. Ian Book never got Ian Book missed one game his first year as a starter with because he broke his ribs. That's it. He's a really he was a really durable kid. Very durable the quarterback. In the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And honestly, I wonder if Ian could have played if they ha- if if Notre Dame was playing like Michigan the next week. I wouldn't have been shocked if they would have given him a shot 
put extra padding on his ribs and thrown him out there and, and say, and Ian would have played. But you're yeah. playing a not very good Florida State team, and you had Brandon Wimbush, who led you to 10 wins the year before. So you could, you didn't need to play, you didn't need to risk it with Ian at that point in time. He never, never missed a meaningful down because of injury, I don't believe. I'm trying to think of top of my head, Ryan, and I can't think of a time where Ian ever had to come off the field again because of an injury. I mean, he's very durable. Yeah. And, you know, so I, you know, I, I mean, Phil Dracovic's gotten hurt a bunch at Boston College. He never got hurt in Notre Dame in two yeah. years. And, you know, Everett Golson never had an injury that cost him time. Everett's, Everett missed a game in 2012 because of a concussion. To Ryan's point, it was a concussion. He didn't get injured. It was a concussion, and he they wouldn't clear him. Uh, Tommy Reese never missed a game. He had to come out of a game once because he got hurt against USC, but that stuff happens all the time. Yeah, Dane Christ is really the only – Dane and Malik are the only two big injuries that Notre Dame's had a quarterback in the since Brian Kelly arrived. And Dane's injury was a torn ACL. Like it just got, you know, just the way he got, he got hit against Tulsa. So I don't know that I necessarily agree with the premise. I mean, Tyler Buckner got hurt in the spring game walking downstairs. Right. Right. Like that's not a, that's just bad luck in my opinion. Drew Pine played, was, did not get injured last year. So I don't know that I necessarily um, accept the premise to me. I think you you sometimes can overdo taking care of your quarterbacks to the point where they're just not prepared for the physicality of the game of football. That's a problem. I, I, I think it's a really underrated aspect of playing quarterback that there's some guys that know how to protect themselves really well. Mm-hmm. It's like Russell Wilson's a small quarterback, but until two years ago, he had never gotten injured at all from his college to his NFL career because he understands how to protect himself. Like some guys just have that innate sense of get down, avoid contact. Maybe this is a time to get out of bounds. Like some guys just have that and others don't. So right. I, I really think that that's just kind of a innate skill that some quarterbacks have, honestly. Yeah. I, um, and you're how you play. I mean, there's a reason John Elway got hurt a lot more in his career than Dan Marino and Tom Brady. I mean, Dan Marino's only injury in his career, I believe I could be wrong. Ryan was uh, an Achilles. There's nothing you knew about that. John Elway got hurt a lot more. Why? Because John Elway played a uh, far more physical style of football. You know, a, a, a run around. Yeah, he played hard. You know, and and he was a runner. Guys like that are. You know, I think that's something that kept that shortened the career, the the time span of dominance for Randall Cunningham. Like mm-hmm. Randall Cunningham had two careers. He had he was completely different quarterback in his two careers. He had his career with the Eagles where to me he was one of the most entertaining, exciting players I've ever seen. Like, he wasn't the greatest dive quarterback. Over, dive over the pile like he's yeah. a high jumper. I mean, <laughs> I remember the play where, like, a guy went in his knees and he, like, bounces off of it and he, like, flails and he lands on his feet, gets up and throws it. You're like, what the heck? They used to call him, like, an elastic band or something. Oh, man, my gosh. He was, he was get, so like, much fun to watch. Weird ways he and, was yeah. so – and he had those – he had the good receivers back then. You know, he had two different – he had Mike Quick early. Then he had, like, that – uh what was it? It was Barnett and um, who was Fred the other Barnett, receiver he had? Yeah. Fred Barnett and who was the other guy he had? Didn't they have Irving really Fryer for a little bit? They might have Irving Fryer for uh, a little bit. Maybe I, I don't remember him with the Eagles. I remember him with the Jets. I don't remember him with the Eagles. But you could be right. I'm not. I'm just saying I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember who the other receiver was. I I, I, I want to think it was somebody like named like Calvin or something like that. Calvin Hill. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna have to look this up. 
and and because now it's going to bother me, but it was Fred Bar Fred Barnett's one that you got correct. I'm, let me yeah. look at the stats. He was the one quick. that had like that 99 yard touchdown or whatever. Yeah, it was. It was Fred Barnett. Yeah. yeah, Calvin Williams. That's who it was. Calvin I don't Williams. Know. I don't know Calvin. Yeah. Williams. Hmm. Yeah, Calvin Williams is a nice player for a few years back in the 90s. He was like a nice number two kind of guy with the Eagles. Uh, he wasn't. I mean, he Randall's problem too is he played in an era where quarterback play was great. Like right now. I was listening to a show yesterday and the, and the, the guy was doing like a buy or sell, right? Buy, sell, or hold segment. And it was Aaron Rodgers won't get past the wild card round. Okay. And the guy made a point. He's like, well, listen, he's like, think about it. Like if you go to the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, like all of them are in the AFC except for like Jalen Hurts, right? Yeah. And if I'm being fair or kind or whatever, you could throw Dak Prescott in there. But he's like, so that makes it harder. So you've got to either get a number one seed or win a game to get there. And in this era where you look at the talent of the quarterback play in the AFC, it's hard to do that. To get to the Super Bowl in the AFC now is not easy. And it was like that in the 90s in the NFC. Like you had to really earn it to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC in the the 90s because of all the teams you had to beat. And Randall just – because there's a big gap between like the top group of quarterbacks and everybody else. Back in the late 80s and like early to mid-90s, it was like almost everyone had at least a good quarterback. You know, like guys guys back then that nobody knows about would that would be like top 10 – like Neil Lomax, Jim Everett. They'd be like top 10 quarterbacks in today's NFL, the way that they played. But they were like nobody paid attention because like everybody had – I mean, it was great. It was a golden era of quarterback play in my opinion. And so – um you know, that's kind of, that's kind of part of the conversation as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but, uh, that style of play, it kind of let us just get back to the question, but that style of play is going to lead you to getting hurt more. Tyler Buckner style of play is going to lead to him being at more greater risk of getting hurt than Drew Pines. Yeah. Now Drew Pines, a tough kid. Drew Pine took a lot of hits last year, but most of the hits Drew takes are hits where he can kind of brace himself and prepare for the hit. You know, like in, he in took the a pocket big hit. And, yeah, yeah. Or, or like he had that big hit against Clemson where he scrambled and picked up the first down, but he saw the hit coming and he could kind of brace for it. He got hit out of bounds. Those are the hits that you're, that you can live for, that. Yeah. They don't hurt as much as people think, right? It's the hits that you don't see coming that are the ones that you get hurt on. And right. that's what, that's the risk. That's more of a risk for a guy like Tyler Buckner than it is for, than it is for a guy like Sam Hartman or, or even especially Drew Pine. Cause they're just not guys that are running a ton. And um, yeah, those, those are, um, I, I, I think that there's been some injury things in there that have made me scratch my head a little bit, but I wonder if those are kind of more equipment related than strength and conditioning related, but uh, the quarterback one's not one for me. And yeah, it's not one for me. Next question from Kyle Wade who says, what's your, what, what am I, what is YPP? Am I missing yards per play? Yards per play expectation. My apologies. What's your yards per play expectations to show you that the offense is indeed vastly improved when playing the beginning of their schedule versus when they play the back end of the schedule? Okay. I mean, look, I, I don't think you can have a huge drop off, right? Like I'm, I'm looking at the last three national champions. They all average at least seven yards of play. I think you've got to be around there for your season average, but you also can't be a team that goes for 10 against Tennessee state, central Michigan and Navy and goes for five against, yes. you know, yes. USC. Cause that's what it would be. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think Ryan, like what, what would it be if it was like that? It would be, because um, you're always you're always going to be judged based upon what happens in the big games, right? That's why right. Notre Dame. 
I mean, that's why we we are so critical of Brian Kelly, right? It's like Brian Kelly did a lot of good things in Notre Dame, but in the biggest moments, we know what happened, right? Like we don't have to relive that. And right. I mean, I care what the yards per play is against Ohio State right. this year. Clemson, right. USC. So if like, you go for like 10 a play against Tennessee State, Navy, and Central Michigan, and you only yeah. go for five a play against Ohio State, Clemson, and USC, you're on the season at seven. In those six games, you're at seven and a half yards per play. That's top five in the country, if not leading the Some years it leads the country, but it doesn't matter because you didn't yeah. do it in the big games. You know, to me, you, you need to be able to do it more consistently, and that's how the teams that are, are competing for championships are over seven because – they may go for like nine against a team that's not really good, but then they're still going to go for over six in the games that matter, right? And and that's kind of really where you know where where the good teams need to get to. And I think if you look at Georgia, I think Georgia is one of the most efficient teams, and it was one of the most efficient teams in college football the last couple of years, especially last year. Yeah, they went for seven point two, which is pretty good, but not insane. And their but their lowest total of the season was five point six. That was against right. Kentucky. You know, and, and they didn't play well that game. They did not throw the ball for a, worth a darn in that game. And then after that, their next lowest, Ryan, was like 6.1. That was against Missouri. But in the games that mattered, the big games, they went for 9.2 against Oregon. They went for 7.1 against Florida, 6.2 against Tennessee, 6.7 on the road against a ranked Mississippi State team that had a pretty good defense last year. against LSU, 8.9 against Ohio State, and 8.2 against TCU. So they were better in the big games than they were in some of the the lower games. Because if you just go through what we just showed, Ryan, their worst outcomes of the season that last year were against Kentucky. These are the five worst yards per play games. Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, Samford, and Mississippi State. Sanford. That's funny. Tennessee's the only team on it. It was really a big game, and they were still six point two per play last year, right? I mean, think about that. Their second to worst, their second to worst game last year was six point one yards per per play. It's you, it's amazing. You know what it's Notre Stanford. Dame's offense was last year, Ryan? Uh, as a team, um, as a team, six eight, five nine. Oh, that's really bad. (laughs) Notre Dame's average was worse than Georgia's second to worst game. They only had one game where they were below six. Notre Dame was below six on the season, right? So nine's really bad, man. It's bad. Really bad. Yeah, it's bad. bad. (laughs) But when you're a team that only runs the football, that's you know that's going to be the you have to have efficiency efficiency is the way to go on offense you need to have a level of explosiveness yes but you have to be efficient because i would argue that the 2015 team that finished 6 in the country la- that year with 7.02 yards per play the problem that that team had is they were explosive but they weren't efficient they weren't nearly as efficient as they needed to be i yeah. would argue the same thing in 2017 Ryan, when Notre Dame also had a really good yards per play team, they finished 21st that year at 6.4. The thing about that team is they were actually more efficient running the football than they were throwing the football. They averaged 6.3 yards per rush. They averaged 6.4 yards per play. Usually if a team is averaging 6.3 yards per rush, they're really high. Yeah. in yards per play rank in, in a national ranking because you expect your pass game to be around eight, right? 
And that's kind of where Notre Dame needs to be. They need greater efficiency in the pass game, and they need which will then create greater efficiency in the run game, in my opinion. It's crazy. So yeah, you you want to be at least six seven on the season, but you've got to be around six or greater in the big games. That's where you have to be. Yeah. And if you really want to be a championship team, those are the games that you thrive. And that's what gives me some encouragement about last year's team, Ryan, or la- you know about Notre Dame last year. Mm-hmm. As bad as the offense was, it played much better in big games down the stretch than it did early in the season. It was much better against Clemson sure. than it was against Ohio State and Marshall and those teams. And they had some bad turnovers, but they didn't lay an egg against USC. I mean, they moved the ball. They they, they came to play. And then, of course, the offense was – second half against South Carolina was really from the second quarter on against South Carolina was excellent. Yeah. So they at least started playing better, and I expect them to be even better this season. So that's a good question. Ho- hopefully Stetson Bennett brings some of that efficiency to the L.A. Rams now. So Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> We got a two-parter here from John A1. John says, in 2023, is Chris Tyree full-time wide receiver with jet sweep tight carries, or does he take reps at both wide receiver and running back, or does he get moved back to running back? And how the offense has been installed, can you can the wide receiver room lose Tyree to the running back room? I'd rather it didn't, but it can. Yes. And the reason I say it, I'd rather it didn't, and this is a complete 180 for me from where I was during the season. I'd... I even said this to somebody close to Chris. I say, look, I was flat out wrong on this one. I did not think Chris could be as effective at wide receiver as he was this spring. He was a lot more natural running routes and catching the ball. Now, he still needs to get more effective catching the ball consistently, but he was much more effective catching the ball than I thought he was going to be. He looked a lot more comfortable doing that. Sure. And he just brings a skill set that you don't have anywhere else. Now you're having to hope that Caleb Smith can bring that. And that's putting a lot on, again, what do we say about freshman, Ryan? If Cam Smith proves he's good enough to do that, great. But if he's, you, you don't want to have to do have him do it because he have to. And then if he's not right. ready, then you just don't have that skill set. I think it'd be very easy for him to to do both if the need arose. Yep. To to get to your point, they don't need he and because he knows running back. He he know he Chris Tyree'd be able to make a pretty smooth transition back to running back if the need arose. If he was playing receiver, they had a couple guys go down, and and over the course of the next week in practice, they had to get him ready to play running back. He. It's riding a bike, dude. You've been playing running back your whole life. It's like riding a bike. You know, hey, let's seriously. make sure that you get your protection, you know, stuff down and that you get your footwork down. And I'm serious. He's ready to play the next week. Receiver he needs the work is where he needs the work. So I don't think they can afford to lose him because there's just nobody else that can provide that skill set. And now you're in a situation where your freshmen have to play because you can't go past. I mean, if you think about it, you can't go past your top three until you get to Matt Salerno and the freshman if you move Chris Tyree. Because it's yeah. t- it's Tobias, it's Dion, it's Jaden, Salerno, and then the freshman. That's it. If you don't have Tyree there, so I um, wouldn't rather not have to go through that. I also want to see the creativity with a man, so I just don't want it to have to be pigeonholed to one spot. Or like, I want him to be able to get some jets. To your question, John, I want to see him get some end arounds. I want to see him in the screen game. I want to see him run some RPO stuff out of the slot. I want to see him motion into the backfield and run some pass game stuff with him in the backfield. I, I, I just want to see what you can accomplish with a guy like Chris Tyree, because that just gives you a, you haven't had a guy like him. Yeah. And, you know, you just haven't had too many of those guys. I mean, cause they're rare players. I mean, we talk about 
historically, Brian, like you're going to start talking about, I know like Rocket was one of those guys back in the day, right? But like in recent college football, you're talking about what, like the Percy Harvins of the world? Like that's that type of player. Like it, those, you don't get a lot of those guys usually. It's not many yeah. of them. You're absolutely right about that one, Ryan. Here, Here's a comment from David Lowe. We were talking about the rankings for the top 25. Here was a response that he had. He says, I don't think Washington should be ahead of us. Talking about Notre Dame. Yeah. Look, I'm, if you're going to say you're going to have Washington behind their name, I mean, I'm not going to say you're insane, but I, I think Washington has earned the right to be ahead of Notre Dame. I mean, they, they lost to UCLA on the road by eight. They lost to Arizona State on the road by a touchdown. They beat Oregon on the road. They beat Oregon State. They beat Texas in a bowl game. They smashed Michigan State, uh, Beat Wash, blew out Washington State on the road, and I think Washington State was a team that had been ranked a couple times late in the year as well. They've got – one of the best – I mean, if it wasn't for Ohio State, we'd be talking about Washington bringing back the best receiving core in college football, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, if it was – I mean, Ohio State's clearly number one. But if it's not for Ohio State, we're talking about Washington, and and they've got a quarterback that was incredibly productive. Their running back room is going to be better next year with the transfers they're bringing in than they were last year. They got the Robinson kid from Mississippi State. They got the uh, Ingata kid from Arizona State, plus some recruits that they've brought in. Uh, their offensive line lost Jackson Kirkland, but most of their other good linemen are coming back. Their best offensive back... lineman returns and Roger Roger Rosengarten. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then defensively, they, they, they bring back almost everybody. I mean, Savelle Smalls left because he wasn't the guy. I mean, Braylon Trice is one of the best edge rushers in college football coming back next year. So, yeah. I, I look, and their two losses were both by a touchdown. I mean, that's a good football team. And, and I watched them a bunch last year. Now, their defense has got to get better if they're going to be a playoff contender. That's no doubt. But that's an 11-2 and two football team that beat a team from the Big 12 and beat a team from the Big 10 during a regular season. That's a that's a good football team. I have no problem with them being ranked ahead of Notre Dame, Ryan. You may disagree with that, Ryan. I'm not sure what your th- yeah. stance is on that, but I'm I'm totally fine with them being ahead of Notre they Dame. They earned the right to be high on that list. I would have them probably as a top six team coming back personally. They were also a just... team that had a first-year coach. You can't use the whole first-year coach excuse for them either. And they were they able to one. bring back – I mean, Ryan Grubb almost left this offseason for Alabama, and they were able to retain And Notre him, Dame so reached out to Ryan Grubb as well. They had interest yeah. in him as well, and he stayed put. So – yeah, I, I, I'm good. I'm I'm good with that. So, and there's other people. V Dub eight hundred four. Washington doesn't belong ahead of us, Brian. I'd be very curious how many of you that think that actually watched Washington play last year. Guys, Notre Dame lost to a three and nine Pac twelve team. Notre Dame went zero and two against the Pac twelve last year. Washington went eleven and two last year in the Pac twelve. Like, could no? Do I think Notre Dame will end the season ahead of Washington? Yes, I do. But there's no justification, in my opinion, for having Washington ahead of Notre Dame. Like I said, if you're going to rank Notre Dame ahead, okay, whatever. Notre Dame's probably got a better roster top to bottom, but I'm not doing it. Uh, there's no way I'm going to have Wash. And to your point, Ryan, I think you could argue that Washington has a better argument for being in the top five or six than they do being behind Notre Dame, in my opinion. So, Because, I mean, if yeah. we're talking about production you're bringing back, I mean, to your point, Brian, you're bringing back one of the best quarterbacks in college football last season. You're bringing back not just Jalen McMillan, not just Roma Duns, not just Giles Jackson. You also have the Polk kid coming back at receiver who was very good from last year. Roger Rosengarten's coming back. The left tackle who actually filled in for Jackson Kirkland was so good that they had put Jackson Kirkland in a guard when he came back from his injury last year. Braylon Trice, 
to your point, is one of the best defensive linemen in college football. They also have number 48, who so I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. Um, I'm not. I'm just not going to try. The linebacker, he is coming back. He's been playing for a long time for Washington. So there's some dudes back, man. There's yeah. some dudes. Yeah, that's a good football team. That's a good football team. Let's get to some more here, Ryan. Here we go. Here's from Michael Johnson. With the teams on our schedule, which team has the best defense on paper? On paper. So uh, on paper, it's Ohio State because yeah. apparently, yeah. apparently, <laughs> Ohio State has like nine guys that are first round. T- I, I'm serious. I saw this, Ryan. You and I were talking. I was laughing. I was. I'm going to have an article coming out probably later today that goes over just mock drafts and just having some fun with Cause it's like 20, 2024 mock drafts for me. I, I was actually just contemplated being a jerk because Ryan's always being sarcastic with me and trying to push my buttons. So I was actually thinking about having today's show be, we're going to look at 2024 mock drafts just to watch Ryan sit in agony the entire I, I, show. I would have, I would have been sick today. You'd have been- <laughs> <laughs> Ryan would have pulled a hammy before today's show. Sorry, I'm, I'm oh, sorry. here, man. Jules is sick, it. man. You know, the daughter, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Sorry, buddy. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it, they're just fun. They're entertaining. They're not yeah. something I take seriously. They're just entertaining for me. Uh, but it, I looked to probably about 15 mock drafts. Most of them like reputable-ish places, you know, USA Today, CBS, yeah. all that stuff. And uh, 12 different Ohio State players were mocked as a first-round pick by at, le- by at least one of those places. And I'm thinking a lot of them were on defense. And I'm thinking to myself, why wasn't their defense better if they have that many NFL guys? And I kind of feel like like Jack Sawyer's on every one. Uh, JT is on every one. Denzel yeah. Burke, Michael Hall, Josh Proctor, Lathan Ransom. There's six off the top of my head right there. And I'm just thinking like, based on what? You know, but so if you, it's what it is, it's based off rec- reputation and recruiting rankings. Yeah. Jack yeah. Sawyer's considered a potential first round pick. Why? Because he's got talent and he was a five star recruit. Now, there's nothing about his game right now or his production that should make anyone think that he's a first round draft pick. The guy had six and a half tackles for loss and four and a half sacks last year. He has seven and a half sacks for his entire career. Now, could he be a first round pick? Sure. He's a talented guy. But it's all off of product. I mean, at least JT had 11 tackles for loss last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Jack Sawyer didn't even have more tackles for loss than flipping Zach Harrison, right? I and mean, Zach, and Zach just went in the third round, right? So, exactly, yeah. exactly. And he's pretty dang toolsy himself. So, you know, I just, um, I just kind of feel like I just need to see a little something more from him before I'm going to buy into the hype. He had one more sack than Javante last year than Javante Jean Baptiste. One more. That's the it. Same, and the same amount as Jordan Patelho. So. Yeah. And way more rep, way more snaps than than J, J, Javante had. So could he do it? Sure. But again, to Michael's question, on paper, sure. Ohio State. I mean, they, they do mind. have a lot of talent, but to your point, it's yeah. just not proven production at this point. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and there are like, holes. It's talent. Yeah. I think some of their talent at some spots is overrated. I think their secondary talent's overrated. When people talk to me about Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor being first round draft picks, I'm like, come on, man. Like, oh, well, Josh Proctor's never going to be a first round draft pick. No, so. no. It, Denzel Burke, I, I've seen people have Denzel Burke borderline top 10, and I'm thinking, based on what? It's freshman year. Not it's not based year. on his film. <laughs> it's freshman year until when? Until they played Michigan, yeah. the first good team that he had to play against really all year because Penn State wasn't very good that year. And Michigan torched them. 
beat him for a long and then beat him for a long play where the guy because this is what's funny. He never gave up a touchdown. You guys did see him give up a 50-yard bomb where he tackled the guy at the half yard line against Michigan, right? Like let's let's not get too excited about the never gave up a touchdown thing. Okay. And then what did he do after he got beat then? He got he got a call for like three pass interference penalties because every time he'd get burned, he just grabbed the guy. Okay, sure. He never got burned. Uh, I don't get the, I just don't get the, now he could end up being a great player. I'm just saying right now, there's no film that makes me think him or Jack Sawyer are first round picks. And there's definitely no film that makes me think Josh Proctor is a first round pick. And Lathan Ransom is a good football player, but first round pick. Wasn't Josh, wasn't Josh Proctor hurdle last year too? Like he he played, but he's been hurt a lot in his career. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I look, I get the love for the, uh, the lineman. I get, I mean, um, for Michael Hall, I get that. I've seen people have him in the top 10. That's a little high for me right now, but I'm okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. He had pretty good production last year. And for an interior guy, he had really good production last year, in my opinion. But uh, some, I mean, you know, he led the team in sacks. He was borderline double digit. Or he had seven and a half tackles for loss, only played 12 games. He's a good football player. Dominated Notre Dame. That's for darn yes. sure. Uh, you, you know, you want to have JT. JT's big kid, athletic, productive. Right, had eleven and eleven tackles for loss. Because here's the thing I could justify with JT. He's a dominant run defender, in my opinion. He's not a great pass rusher yet, good pass rusher, but he was a dominant run defender. He has the kind of run game, pass game, d- disruptive numbers I crave as a for the field end position. Eleven tackles for loss, four sacks. That's a lot of run game disruptive number production right there, Ryan. That yeah. that I can live with. Okay, cool. Your team needs a power end. You want to look at JT, big, physical, athletic, sure. I just have never gotten the Jack Sawyer infatuation that people have. Same with Denzel Burke. Yeah. I don't get it's just, it. It's just the recruiting recruiting stuff. and I mean, Sawyer looks like a million bucks, but, sure. again, it just hasn't happened yet. Right. He's got to play. I would right. say Ohio State. Who, who would be number two after Ohio State on paper? Clemson, I guess, right? I mean, mm, Clemson's in the conversation. I would actually argue that NC State might be in the conversation because of the they've got some players coming back, yeah. and their defense was pretty good last year. It really it was. was. They, had they, a they, very they did lose a decent defense. amount, though. They lost a decent yeah. amount. Yeah, they. But both, I mean, both, so both did, inside linebackers and so, Durden, and so yeah. did Clemson. <laughs> Yeah, I know, you know but I mean? I mean, they still have they right. still have Rook coming back, Tyler sure. Davis, Barrett Carter. Right. There's still some dudes coming back. Right, I get that. But yeah. I, my only point is Clemson lost two first-round picks on the defensive line, mm-hmm. and then K.J. Henry was – so they lost three starters from their defensive line. They lost their most highly coveted linebacker, although I would argue he was not their best linebacker last year. I think you would agree with me on that, that Barrett Carter was their best linebacker last year. Yeah, Trenton got the reputation, but Barrett Carter was their best linebacker last year. Most impactful for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I still don't love their um I still don't love their uh um you know so uh I still don't I still don't love where I Ryan where I see um their secondary I still think needs to prove a lot to me. Yeah. So that would be where I would uh where I would go for that one. Anyone else that you really look at and thinks has a really good defense slated to come back? I mean, Louisville doesn't. They lost. Not, not, not on that level. I mean, yeah. I think Duke. I think Duke will be solid, but I don't think they'll yeah. be. A like, guy Jamion Franklin tier. comes back for Duke next year. I he love does, that man. Kid. He does. Yeah, I love yeah. that kid. Yeah, he's, he's, been, have a, he's done well. 
Yeah, he's done well nose for tackle for them. They actually have a three tech yeah. named Dwayne Carter, who's a good football player. I remember him. Also. He was an Ohio kid too. He was a he was a Pickerington Central kid, I believe, he's, wasn't he? I think he I think he had double digits for loss. Yeah. yeah, I think he had double digits for loss last year. Man, he was good. Yeah, a little shock of Hayward though, but you know, I think that's the kid I'm talking about, Dwayne Carter. Yeah, from Pickerington. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, Notre Dame tried to get on him on him get in on him late. So yeah, good for him. Good for him. Wade Garrett is up next, Ryan. Wade says, when it comes to discussing compete, discussing competing for championships, how much do you weigh coaching in that? Marcus Freeman obviously has less experience than the coaches of Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, USC, etc. Well, I mean, it's 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 in the conversation of like the overarching Wade. Sure. I, I think in today's conversation, we mostly stuck to the players, right? Returning production and kind of upside of the players. But I mean, Ryan, you even mentioned like the linebacker conversation has to include Al Golden in there, right? Because sure. that's a part of the development. Sure. So I think it, it definitely matters. For me, I, I look that like Lincoln. I mean, um, Kirby Smart took Georgia to the title game his second year at Georgia. Yeah. Right. Like Ryan Day went to the playoffs what each of his first two seasons at Ohio State. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, I it just doesn't it's not something I just dismiss, but I, I kind of I feel like, look, he, is he a talented guy or not? Is he a guy that you believe in or not? And I do at this point in time. He has to give me reason not to. And I think last year, Ryan, when I looked at at how that team was on the verge of basically just needing to quit basically uh after the stanford game where it's just like this team is in trouble yeah this team is really in trouble and and to see how they responded i i was i was very impressed by very impressed by and that that's from coaching right i look at the hires he's made it's been pretty good yeah so experience matters i mean lincoln riley went to the play actually matter of fact lincoln riley's has had fewer playoff appearances the deeper he gets into his coaching career. Because his first year was, what, 2017, if I remember yeah. correctly? What, what was Lincoln Riley's first year? It was 2017, or I believe it was 2017. Sounds Let me right. just go look that up. Because he was their offensive coordinator. It's 20, 2017. So in Lincoln Riley's career, his first four, uh, three years, he went playoff, playoff, playoff. And then his fourth year, he didn't make the playoff, I don't believe. Right, mm-hmm. he goes to a, the Sugar Bowl or Cotton Bowl, beats Florida. His fifth year, he doesn't make the playoff, and his sixth year doesn't make the playoff. So he's he had more playoff appearances his first three years than he has since. So uh, just going off track record, if you got the chops, you got the chops, right? And you're also what are you building off of? And so that's why it matters, but it's just not something that I I think is the end all be all. Do you have faith in this staff or not? And right. that's really where it comes down to. But to Ryan's point, this conversation was about does your roster because I don't care who your coaches are, right? There's this, there's this two phrase, there's a phrase that I hate. I hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. It's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I hate that phrase. Because it's bullcrap. And and it to me, you can't you can't be a champion without Jimmy's and Joe's. True. But how many poorly coached national champions have you seen in college football? I've seen one. That was Miami back in 2001. That's it. Right? Larry Coker was a terrible coach. But it didn't matter. That team was so incredibly loaded. Yeah. But 
we've seen oh i mean we've seen teams that that have the jimmies and the joes if it's about the jimmies and the joes and why does ohio state not have three national titles in the last 10 years there's been at least three times ohio state had the 2015 there was not a better roster in college football than ohio state's not and i would say it's not really that close in my opinion would you agree with that ryan that team was stupid good it was it was um and so but they didn't they didn't win a t- they got beat by Michigan State. Why? Because it's about both. It's the X's and the O's and the Jimmies and the Joes, and also about your team culture and your team chemistry and all. It's it's a too simplistic conversation that really just doesn't hold up. And if if it was about the team with the best roster, Bama would have even more titles than they have. It's true. And they would. They wouldn't lose any, they wouldn't ever lose, except when they play maybe Georgia and Ohio State. That's it. So it's I, I hate that phrase, but to your point, coaching matters, right? It's matter. just today the focus was, as Ryan said, more on just the what are the what's the talent look like? Because again, I don't care how good your coaching is. If Nick Saban had to, you know, had a UAB's roster every year, guess what? He has zero championships, none. Now that UAB team was to be as good as they could possibly be, but they wouldn't be a champion because you need both, in my opinion. Yeah, but- 